I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Talkin' Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Good morning and welcome to Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on this Sunday morning, June 25th. How are we doing this morning? Talking Golf with Ann Liguori is brought to you by Travelers. It's better under the umbrella. And by the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Final round action is getting underway shortly at historic Baltusrol Golf Club in Springfield, New Jersey. Get your tickets now at kpmgwomenspga.com. Well, that's right. A major championship for the women being played right near us here in Springfield, New Jersey, in addition to a PGA Tour elevated event, the popular Travelers Championship taking place in Cromwell, Connecticut. So a lot going on in golf, to say the least. And I wish I could be in both places at the same time. What a week it has been. And what a last few months it has been in golf. Non-stop, for sure. And earlier in the week, uh, I'm just thrilled to say that I won a Gracie Award, a broadcast competition run by uh, the Alliance of Women in the Media. They shine a spotlight on women in media, and they have a category for radio talk show sports in local major market. And the show I entered from last season, in which I talked about the PJ Tour versus Live Golf, that was the show that I entered, and that was the show that won. And um, if you listen to the show, you might remember I had Christine Brennan on of USA Today. And as you know, we're both quite opinionated about the topic. So just delighted that um, Odyssey was well represented with various winners from all over the country. And I really appreciate the fact that uh, we had a lot of people from odyssey there to share in this special moment and uh, and look at what has evolved regarding that subject pj tour versus live golf since that show last summer just unbelievable but let's uh, start with the women's pj championship we have a lot to cover in in one hour as you know it's the second major on the women's calendar the final round has been moved up due to thunderstorms in the forecast this afternoon so the players will use split tees on one and ten and they're going to go out as threesomes, and they're actually starting at 8.15 this morning. The final threesome, and we'll talk about the leaderboard in a second, will be teeing off at 10.38 this morning. And I just love golf history. 
And Baltusrol is just full of history. The club has hosted 18 major championships. It was designated a National Historic Landmark in 2014. And the club historian for Baltusrol, Stuart Wolf, will join us in a few minutes. Um, can't wait to talk to him. And then we'll swing over to the Travelers Championship and we'll talk to good friend, longtime colleague, veteran golf journalist and personality, Marty Hackle. Uh, so let's get back to Baltusrol for a second. It has always been a very challenging course, thick, rough, narrow fairways, lots of bunkers and fescue, fast greens, lots of runoff areas and, you know, no secondary cut around the green. So if you miss a green, the ball can very easily roll into the thick rough, get into trouble. And the rain this week has made the course even longer and more difficult. So, you know, the cut line was plus five. But yesterday, the women, you know, did well. Really, some of them went low scoring-wise. Leona McGuire from Ireland, she actually shot a 269 yesterday for birdies to bogeys. She's at 7-under. She has a one-shot lead over Jenny Shin and a two-shot lead over her good friend from Northern Ireland, Stephanie Meadow. Shin shot a 566 yesterday. What a great score there. Uh, that tied the low round of the week. Meadow had a 467 yesterday. Ruining Yin of China is three back at four under. And that's where Leanne paces. She's a 42-year-old from South Africa. Lauren Coughlin and number one ranked Jin Young Ko are at three under four shots back. And Rose Zhang, who won her very first pro tournament a few weeks ago, she's among a group at one under. You have Lexi Thompson, she's at plus four, Lydia Ko at plus six, Stacey Lewis at plus eight. So a lot of the top female golfers, uh, you know, uh, way over par. Just a very, very tough golf course. McGuire had a stellar amateur career. She was a standout at Duke University, and she's trying to win back-to-back -back titles and her first major title. She actually won last Sunday. In Michigan, she shot a 64 in the final round on Sunday. She's 28 years old. She's ranked 12th in the world. And yesterday, Leona McGuire hit 12 of 14 fairways, 14 of 18 greens, which is just incredible. Uh, she has hit 89% of her greens in regulation through three rounds, which is amazing. It's the first time in her career that she's held the 54-hole lead in a major. It's her 23rd start in a major championship. And interesting to note, her caddy, Dermot Byrne, is also from Ireland, and he's caddied at Baltusrol before in a major. He used to caddy for Shane Lowry. So that local knowledge there and it just just really knowing the greens is, is obviously important anywhere, but particularly at a course like Baltusrol. So the leaderboard is tight. Anything can happen. Here's an interesting stat. 95% of women's major winners since 2010 have been within four of the lead entering the final round. So uh, as I mentioned, with bad weather in the forecast this afternoon, they've moved up the tee times. And McGuire, Shin, and Meadow, they will begin their final round at 1038 this morning. And boy, I'm so impressed with uh, you know the talent and the skill level and the composure of so many of these these LPGA Tour players, and I caught up with a couple of them on Wednesday at their press conferences before the championship started on Thursday. And Rose Zhang is such a compelling story. You know, I said she uh, won her very first professional tournament. It was the Mizuho America's Open at Liberty National back in May. 
She's 20 years old, and she has been bombarded with media requests since then. And her life as she knew it as a student at Stanford University, the top amateur player in the country, suddenly changed when she won her very first professional tournament. Uh, along those same lines, you've handled the whirlwind, as you described it beautifully. What has been the biggest adjustment for you? Biggest adjustment? I will say that I haven't been able to work on my game as much um, as I was able to before as an amateur. Um, there's a lot more obligations that you have to do as a professional. You have a lot more press interviews, conferences, um, and it does take a lot out of you and a lot out of your time and energy um therefore i i haven't been able to grind like i usually have been you know i feel like as an amateur you take it for granted where you can just be out on the range no one's talking to you you can hit balls for like four hours you can chip putt do whatever you need to um but i can't really do that anymore um and yeah, that'll definitely take a bit of adjusting just because, you know, when your game isn't as solid and when you've been playing a lot of events, going on the golf course, your game adjusts uh, to, you know, the different weather conditions, how you're playing golf courses. Um, and yeah, I think that will be the biggest transition for me. Rose Zhang, so impressed with her. She's so composed for her young age. Anyway, she is among five others at one under and will start her final round at 10.05 this morning. Also this past Wednesday, Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America, he made a check donation on behalf of PGA Reach, which is the charity foundation of the PGA of America. Uh, in the PGA's Places to Play program, the donation was given to the Inspiration Golf Range and Activity Center located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System. And the golf range went unused for a number of years. And then the New Jersey Golf Foundation took it over and it reopened last year. And some of you may not know that the PGA of America, and it's often shortened to just being called PGA, is a completely separate organization from the PGA Tour. The PGA of America is made up of, gosh, 29,000 PGA professionals, male and female, club professionals who teach. They run golf facilities, tournaments, and do so much more. And the PGA of America, they run the PGA Championship, the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, the Ryder Cup, and, of course, this KPMG Women's PGA Championship going on now. And Seth Waugh the CEO of the PGA of America, stressed the difference between the PGA and the PGA Tour when I asked him this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Question about the biggest news that hit the golf industry. Obviously, you're a key leader in the game. I, we, I have to ask you about the merger, what your thoughts are, and how you feel it could impact the PGA. Yeah, I, I, I um, look. I, I, this is not our news story, right? It's it's others. Um, this is the PGA Tour, and and uh, and not PGA of America. Um, sadly, we've been uh, our brand has been dragged into it because people don't totally understand the difference between the two of us. Um, I uh, I don't think it is a merger. Uh, I think that's a mis uh, misunderstanding of what this handshake is. Uh, we're still waiting for lots of details on, on what it ultimately looks like. Uh, I do think that, um, you know, peace is better than war um, for the whole game um, because I think you're getting unnatural acts. And I've been pretty, you know, vocal about saying that I, I uh, um, you know, that I, I didn't think it was a sustainable business model. And, and, and that's speaking as a pure, you know, sort of business person. Um, and, you know, so in some ways I'm hopeful, but obviously it's, it's created an enormous um, amount of conversation and angst and, and, uh, uh, and confusion. Um, and we're, you know, we're a bit a part of that confusion as well and trying to sort through it all. Um, I don't think there's any, you know, direct um, effect on us, uh, you know, specific to this. Certainly... The war had some implications of, of uh, uh, you know, competing against a business model that wasn't a business model, and we have to do that too, and, um, and we'll see how it all plays out. Of course, Seth was talking about, you know, the shocking announcement on June 6th of the so-called, you know, merger or partnership, whatever you want to call it, between the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Saudi Public public investment fund and you know the announcement confused a lot of people with the way it was presented in some cases television chirons you know falsely put up there on the screen pga instead of the pga tour in fact on one broadcast it showed you know a chiron on the tv screen stating pga with the pga logo which is completely inaccurate so uh it shed a very negative light on the pga and the PGA of America is trying to protect their brand and let people know that they have nothing to do with the PGA Tours announcement. I know it's a, it can be a little confusing, but um, you know there is a big distinction between the PGA and the PGA Tour. Also in that press conference, Seth Waugh uh, had a lot of really great news to report about this, the state of golf in our country. He pointed out that the PGA Junior League is the fastest growing segment in golf. They have about 75,000 kids participating. He went on to say that uh, not only is golf at an all-time high in playing with participation at over 41 million, but he pointed out that off-course golf, like uh, you know, top golf and various facilities like that is booming. He said there's now actually more off-course players than on-course and that they view that as a gateway to the game in a lot of ways. And the interesting part about the off-course is that he said more females than than males are playing off-course. He also said that juniors are at an all-time high. It's about 40% girls, which is up dramatically in the last three or four years, uh, and about 30% of kids of color. He also said almost 50%, 48% of all participants in golf are now under the age of 35. 
And, uh, you know, that's an incredible number because he said maybe five years ago, the stats were more like 75% of golfers were over 50. Now about 48% of golfers are under the age of 35. So I think those are interesting points as well. All right, at the Travelers, the guys are going low at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Keegan Bradley scores, listen to these scores, 62, 63, 64, a 54-hole score of 21 under 189. Lowest 54-hole score on the PJ Tour, one stroke short of the all-time PJ Tour record, and he is looking to win his sixth PGA Tour title. Chez Reeve, who won the Travelers in 2019, he's one shot back at 20 under. You have Patrick Cantley, he's five shots back. Ricky Fowler, he shot a 10 under 60 yesterday, coming off his U.S. Open record tying 62 just last week at the L.A. Country Club. He is 15 under overall, six shots back, and that is tied with Adam Scott and Denny McCarthy. Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, they're at 14 under, seven shots back. JT, he shot an 8-under yesterday, and Scotty Scheffler, 7-under. And as I mentioned, Marty Hackle will join us from the Travelers at about 8.40-ish, and we'll go into more detail then. All right, coming up, Stuart Wolf, the uh, club historian for Baltusrol. He, which is, as you know, is hosting the KPMG PGA Women's Championship. Uh, the final round has been moved to this morning due to thunderstorms and the forecast. So we'll talk about the history of Baltusrol. It's one of four clubs that is designated as a National Historic Landmark. So we'll get all of that uh, lowdown when we come back. But first, let me tell you that many of the world's best golfers have been teeing up at the Travelers Championship, taking place at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Final round this afternoon, Keegan Bradley at 20 un- 21 under. He leads by one. Chez Reeve is one behind. Patrick Cantley, five back. Ricky Fowler at 15 under is six behind. You have Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley. They're all there. The Northeast's only PJ Tour event will feature next-level competition, next-level thrills, next-level excitement. Tickets are still available for today's final round. For tickets and information, visit TravelersChampionship.com and be sure to catch all the next-level action. It's Talkin' Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf with Ann Liguori. How are we doing this morning? Well, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship is being played at one of the most historic clubs in the United States, Baltusrol Golf Club in uh, Springfield, New Jersey. And joining me now is their club historian, Stuart Wolf. Welcome to Talking Golf, Stuart. Thank you, Ann. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, well, I know they moved up the final round due to your poor weather forecast this afternoon. And Leona McGuire from Ireland, she shot a 269 yesterday. She leads by one at seven under. You have Jenny Shin is one back. Stephanie Meadow, two shots back. Those three will start this morning at 1038. And, you know, with all the rain this week, this course has played even tougher, right? Although yesterday we saw some pretty good scores, right? We did. I think there was a uh, there was another 66, which um, matched the uh, a previous uh, low score for the tournament. So, what makes this course so tough for the top players in the world? Well, I think it it goes to our, our architect um, A. W. Tillinghast, and um, you know we were designated a national historic landmark status um, in 2014, and 
um, Gil Hans did a restoration in 2001 and basically brought all the Tilling Hatch features uh, back. And um, and I think that's that uh, they're showing their teeth today um, or this week in the tournament. And obviously with the rain, it's made it much longer. So uh, I can't believe the cut line was at plus five. So, But these women are so good. And um, is it better for these women to have local caddies by you know because they they really the greens can be pretty tricky there, i think there are five local caddies um uh being utilized this week but from what i understand um these women are so good that they can read their own greens and um and, and you know, they're professionals they're the top players in the world so you got you got to give them credit and you got to let that respect um respect their course knowledge Unbelievable. I mean, but some of the top players in the game missed the cut. Nellie Corda missed the cut. Georgia Hall, Jennifer Cupcho, Lexi. Oh, no, Lexi is. She got she got in. So um, you mentioned A.W. Tillinghast. He designed the lower and the upper courses, which opened for play, I think, back in 1922. And then Gil Hans restored the lower course in 2020. So can you describe how the course changed since um, the Hans restoration? Yeah, so you know, over the years, um, post Modern, you know, the course has changed dramatically from uh, Robert Chen Jones and Reese Jones, you know, modernizing the golf course. And um, Gil, we hired Gil in 2020 to basically just bring back um, all the towing hats features and undo all the changes that the modern architects did. And um, it's, we call it a sympathetic restoration, where so a lot of the bunkers that towing hats um, uh, placed in the 20s were basically out of range. So Gil Hans moved them downrange for the modern game. A great example is on one, uh, there was a bunker complex that was short of a creek, and now it's over the, it's on the, it's on the other side of the creek. Another great example is the Great Hazard or the Sahara on 17, and he moved that downrange about 40 yards. And so now, now it makes you, it takes a good drive and you still gotta have a, uh, a great second shot to carry those, uh, to carry those, uh, features. So I remember being there when Phil Mickelson won the PJ Championship back in 2005 and then Jimmy Walker in 2016. So the course is quite different from when those guys won their championships, right? It, it, it is. I mean, the green, I mean, essentially the routing is the same. The, the, the difference is the green, all the greens have been expanded back to their original fill pads. Um, so quite an expansion, like 30% to, you know, or, or larger back to what they were originally. Unfortunately, we have really good archives and we have really good photographs that, you know, we gave Gil and Gil and Gil brought all those, those features back. I love it. Yeah, we had a chance to talk to Gil about it, what, two years ago. They had a media outing there and he just did, he just does such good work. And, uh, well, Baltusrol has National Historic Landmark status and only four courses in the country have that status so what was that process like Stuart to get that status it was a long process you have to you have to go through the state level first and there's three categories to get to the state then after that um, you can apply for status um, for, for, for the, through the National Park Service and we had a hook our hook was A.W. Tillinghast and he, we hired him in 1918 and, and Tillinghast philosophy kind of changed um he was he was doing replica courses or replica holes and he a light bulb went off with him at this golf course and he kind of made he wanted the golf courses to be um flow with nature 
and also um, it was the first 36-hole complex built in America. So those those features with Tillinghast, um, the, called the Course Beautiful, and a 36-hole um, dual courses was was new to the United States, and um, and so that's that's what that's what got us our status. And the other three courses are uh, Oakmont in Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh, Marion outside outside of Philadelphia, and uh, the village of Pinehurst in North oh, Carolina. The village of Pinehurst, I love it. That's yep. just I love this history. So. Give us kind of like a verbal tour, because I know when you go into the clubhouse, it's like a museum. If, if, if someone were to go into that clubhouse, what would they see? So we're fortunate. You know, we have a long history. We've been hosting tournaments since 1901, and this, is our, this, is, this will be our 19th championship since our, our founding. And yet, so you go through the every, – every part of the clubhouse has a historic photograph. Um, we have aerials. We have – we have clubs. We have Lee Jansen donated his set of uh, his set of irons after winning the the 1993 U.S. Open. Um, we have Jimmy Walker's irons after winning in 16. Uh, we have uh, a replica of Jack Nicholas's uh, famous um, putter called White Fang. Uh, we actually do have Willie Anderson, one of one of four four-time U.S. Open champions. We have his driver, and and all these are on display. Um, so it's it's really is it's a walking museum throughout the entire clubhouse. It's so cool. You go in there and you spend all your time just looking at all this memorabilia. And I had a chance to go into the pro shop the other day, and there's actually a wall right in the pro shop, so you know, showing some of the championships that were played there, including the 1901 and 1911 U.S. Women's Amateurs, the 1961 U.S. Women's Open that Mickey Wright won. And the 1985 U.S. Women's Open that Kathy Baker won. So, I mean, the club has hosted, as you say, what, this is the 19th championship. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's, it's unique that, um, I mentioned there's, there's been four four-time U.S. Open champions, and two of those champions have won here at Baltus Roll. Willie Anderson in uh, 03, and then Jack Nicholas won two of his championships here in, in 1967 and in 1980, and Jack Nicholas set the um, U.S. Open scoring records at both those tournaments. Oh my gosh, that's right! Jack won two at Baltusrol. That's so cool. So, the name Baltusrol—it's an interesting history. It comes from a, a guy that was named Baltusrol, right? T- can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yes, it's a sad story. Unfortunately, in, I think it was 1831. Um, he was uh, he was murdered, and um, it was thought that he had a stash of gold in his house. And two guys broke in in the middle of the night and dragged him out and ransacked the house and um, and left Ty Tillinghast uh, Ty, oh, sorry Tillinghast Ty Baltus up, and uh, he 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 unfortunately perished from uh, from from the elements. It was in, it was a, a snowy night in uh, in March, so yeah, it's, it's quite a sad story. And then the the founder of the club, Lewis Keller, decided to um, join the name together and drop the drop the last uh, L and roll and combine the name Baltus Roll. So that's how the name got started. And there's two courses there: the lower where the women are playing, and then tell us about the upper because I understand Gail Hans will be working with the upper course shortly. Yeah, the upper is going to close um, at the end of this season, and then Gail's going to do a restoration of that course uh, starting. Uh, next spring, and it will be closed for a year. 
And Gil actually said, think, you know, people, um, consider the lower, the better golf course, but, but Gil is, is saying that he thinks that's going to switch after he gets done with the restoration of the upper. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and then I, I know you're involved cause what, do you have to, obviously you have to show photographs of the original designs from Tillinghast and how much more, um, are you involved, in, you know, with Gil and, and, and with the committee for the redesign? I'm, I'm, I'm very active and we're still trying to find some loose ends. Um, unfortunately the, the, we have a lot of photographs of the, of both courses, the upper, we don't have as many as the lower because the first national championship on the upper was in 36 and, and the first championship on the lower was on 20, was in 26. And so we have just a lot more photos. I think the depression and, you know, everybody was on tight budgets during the, in 1936. So we don't have as much, but. We're trying to piece it. There's a couple loose ends on a couple holes that we're trying to piece together. And, and um, we have a committee, and we're actively trying to go through uh, archives and, and other newspapers and try to find and, and photographs and try to find as much information as we can for Gil. Well, I know you've been there all week. You've been watching these women play. What are your overall thoughts about the, the championship so far? Uh, these they can play. These women are really, really good. It's just it's it's a joy to see, and you know, and and just this, this how they how they plot around the golf course. And this this is a more the restoration. There's so many all the angles were brought back that Tillinghast wanted you to play, so you can you can play this golf course strategically. So much different from when the men played it in the championships and past championships. So it's really nice to see that uh, that strategy come back. Right, and you know, I know they don't have a secondary cut around the green, so I think Leona McGuire, you know, she's been right on. She's aiming for the middle of the greens, just trying to stay out of the rough. She's been doing so wonderfully at that, right? And yep. uh, just, you know, fairways and greens, fairways and greens, just try to stay out of trouble. And, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the toughest parts about that golf course is obviously you know, the, 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 the rough, but you have, you know, those, um, those runoff areas. So if you're, if the ball hits the green and, and rolls off, it could very easily land in the rough and then you have to deal with that. Yeah. So they, they did, they, there's no secondary cut. Um, and that is, it's, it's hard for me. <laughs> I know. And it's shown, it's shown that it's hard for the best players in the world to, to, to manage it as well. Yeah. Interesting. You have Leona McGuire up there from Ireland. She's leading by one. And then another, well, Northern Ireland, um, Meadow is also up there. It's going to be an interesting day, interesting final day. I thank you so much, Stuart, for joining us. Any other last-minute tidbits you'd like to add before I let you go? No, Dan. I, I, you, you do a great job, and I, I follow you on all your, your media platforms and, and continue with the great work that you do. Well, you have a great job, so continued success. I know you're very passionate about it. You majored in history, right? I was a, Yes, I went to Seton Hall here in New Jersey, and I, went, I was an art history and history major. So I do, and I'm now focused on golf history. It's, it's, a great, it's a great thing to do. And do you play out there? How often can you play? I try to come up uh, at least once a month. We, we have member-member tournaments that, I, that I, I try to get up for. So that, that's my uh, just once a month up here, so. But I do, I do actively play in Baltimore, so that's, that's where I live. Yeah. Awesome. Well, continued success, and thanks so much for joining us here on Talking Golf. Thank you.
Stuart Wolf, club historian for Baltus Raw. Coming up, longtime golf reporter and personality, Marty Hackle, Mr. Style, is going to join us. Marty has covered the Travelers Championship for years, and uh, the TPC River Highlands course, where it's being played, is his home course. Marty will have some local knowledge to share with uh, the top male players in the game when we come back. It's Talking Golf with Ann Ligori on the fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf with Ann Ligori. Happy Sunday morning to you. And we swing up to uh, Cromwell, Connecticut, where the Travelers Championship has been going on. Final round this afternoon. And my guest is longtime colleague and friend Marty Hackle. Marty's been covering golf since the mid-90s. He is a member of the TPC River Highlands, where the Travelers is played. Welcome to Talking Golf, my friend. Oh, good morning, Ann. Nice to be with you. It's always good to talk to Marty Hackle, and boy, these guys are going low at the Travelers. And uh, Keegan Bradley, with scores of 62, 63, 64, is a 54-hole score of 21 under 189, which I think it's its lowest on the PGA Tour, and one stroke short of the all-time PGA Tour record. And uh, hey, wouldn't it be great if the local favorite would win, Marty? He's from Woodstock, Vermont, and that's St. John standout. Oh, it sure would be, Ann. You know, and this is the second time that Keegan has been paired with Chez Reevy in, in 2019. They were paired together. That's the year that Chez beat him, actually, by a stroke. But I'll tell you, uh, uh, Keegan, I'm sure, as I recall, in 2019, really regretted uh, that he let that one get away. But I'll bet he's he's ready for him this year. Yeah, you know, it's time that Keegan Bradley wins this one. He has a lot of fans there. I, I know I saw him on Thursday, and it was it was a, inter- a really lovely, lovely moment. Before he was going for another birdie on 18, his son and his wife, they were watching him off the 18th green, and he went over and he gave his son a hug, and then uh, he ended up parring the hole, but... Um, you know, everybody, I mean, it would be great to see Keegan Bradley win, right? Especially, as you mentioned, after 2019. It sure would be great. You know, and yesterday was a very interesting day, as pointed out by a tweet from Justin Ray. Yesterday was the first time in PGA Tour history that a score from 60 to 76 was recorded. That's right. Every number between 60 and 76 for the first time in the history of the PGA Tour was recorded yesterday. And that stats courtesy of Justin Ray. That's incredible because, you know, TPC River Highlands has always been a scorer's dream, but you can also have very high scores, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, the most difficult hold yesterday uh, was the fourth hole, and that's traditionally one of the most difficult. But the second most difficult, which surprises not only me, but a lot of people, is the fifth hole. It's the par three, and as a member, I know it always plays a little bit longer uh, than the yardage on the card, and it's always a tough hole to putt on because there just seem to be so many undulations. But four and five were by far the uh, the toughest holes. And the easy ones, 
are the par fives, both six and 13. They had 29 eagles uh, in both of those holes yesterday. So they were players who were eating those up. So I don't know if you've seen the pin placements yet for the final round, but uh, you, you know the course inside and out. What will all the make or break holes be you know, for these guys this afternoon, do you think? Uh, you know, frankly, I think 16, 17, and 18 will be the three make or break holes. Uh, everyone, you know, really plays 15 carefully. It's that drivable par four, but 16, the par three over the water, 17, the, the par four with the water on the right, and 18, those are all three exciting holes. And oftentimes it comes down to those three. And what a great spot to watch golf. It has to be one of the most exciting places really in the country to see golf. You have, as you mentioned, the 15. You can see it all. It's kind of like an amphitheater there if you sit on the hill. 15 is the drivable par four, as you mentioned. Then you have 16, you know, the par three. It plays, what, about 166, around 166 yards. And then 17, that dog leg right around the lake, the par four. It's just a great place to watch golf. I just love watching there. It sure is. Some people call it the the Bermuda Triangle, but it's a, <laughs> it's a great spot. And as you say, that can make or break anybody's round, right? We've seen so much happen on those last couple holes coming down the, the, the stretch there. And um, Well, let's look at some of these other guys. I mean, Justin Thomas... He uh, what did, he was eight under yesterday. He's at oh fourteen under. He's seven shots back, right? And JT coming off just a terrible U.S. Open. I know he was very upset about that, but uh, he looks like he's you know turned it around this week. And interesting, Ann. In two thousand and thirteen, I remember it was his first year. He got a sponsor's invitation. He came up. I remember I took him to have pizza one night with his wife at the great pizza place here in Hartford. And uh, he actually made the cut. He tied 30th. It was a, it was a great introduction uh, for him to the tour. And, you know, he's been here, oh, gosh, since 13. He missed 2014, but then he was here 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He, he's, he's been here a lot. And uh, I think he's, his game has maybe turned the corner. So this could be a very exciting day for him. Yeah, we hope so, because we're used to seeing JT right in there. And then Scheffler, he's at 700. But as, as well as those guys played yesterday, I mean, they have a lot of ground to make up because uh, Keegan Bradley and, and Shez Reevy, I, I mean, there's just they, they've played so well and so consistently all week, right? Yeah, they really have. And, and let's not forget Patrick Cantley. You know, Patrick Cantley, when he came here in 2011, he was he played on the UCLA golf team, and, and he shot a 60. And, and that was the course record for a long time. Uh, so, you know, I don't think we should count Patrick not Cantley out of this equation. I mean, he shot a 61 yesterday. He, he's yeah. five shots back, so he's right in there. Ricky Fowler, 
Ricky Fowler, talking about, you know, making a comeback with uh, his, you know, really solid performance last week at the U.S. Open, shooting that record-tying 62 in the opening round at the L.A. Country Club. And yesterday, Ricky Fowler, he shot a 10 under 60. Yeah, and you know what, Ann? He's had huge galleries this week following him. And, you know, he's always on my fashion leaderboard. And he'll have some element of orange on today. He always has a little orange on on Sundays because he went to Oklahoma State. So he's he's very loyal uh, to his old college team. He's always been a fan favorite. And, you know, last week he stayed late every day after his round at the L.A. Country Club to sign autographs. And even, you know, with his disappointing finish on Sunday, uh, he stayed to sign autographs. Just a, just a, just a wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, he's, what, 15 under overall. He's six shots back. You know, anything can really happen, as you say. Those finishing holes can be pretty, pretty difficult. You know, in the heat of the moment, and even though you got the, you know, you got these guys way up there, uh, you know, you got Ricky Fowler, you got Patrick Cantley, uh, Adam Scott, Denny McCarthy, and JT and Scotty Scheffler. You know, they're still. And what about Rory McIlroy? He had a hole in one on Thursday, and he's been playing solid golf all week. But at 12 under, he's he's nine shots back. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's exciting, though. And he also had a huge crowd with him yesterday, a huge crowd. And, you know, Rory is is so user-friendly. He makes eye contact with the fans, and, and, uh, you know, he's a fan favorite here in Hartford. Somebody asked him what he did with the ball, that he had his first hole-in-one on the PJ Tour, which is kind of hard to believe, his first one he had on Thursday and somebody asked him what he did with the ball. And he said, I I just threw it in the crowd. (laughs) He did. He did. He did. I saw that. It was great. So now earlier in the show, I played a cut from Seth Waugh's press conference. Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America. uh, He was at the KPMC uh, women's PGA championship. And, you know, I asked him what he thought of the proposed partnership between the PJ tour, the DP world tour, and the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And look, he's a leader in golf, no doubt, right? So I was curious about his opinion of all of it. And you and I kind of talked about this earlier in the week up at the Travelers. Seth pointed out that their PGA brand has been dragged into all of this controversy because people don't really understand the difference between the PGA and the PGA Tour. Uh, what do you make of all of it, Marty? Well, Anne, I think that's a really, really savvy observation. I think oftentimes people confuse the PGA of America with the PGA Tour. And uh, it's really a challenge for the PGA of America, not so much a challenge for the PGA Tour. Frankly, I, I'm glad that we don't have to keep reading about all of the of the legal sort of doings and 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 all of that stuff and 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 that's been eliminated by these agreements and and I would think it, it it's probably going to take a year or two to sort this out but ultimately you know I think golf's too great a game 
you know, to have this sort of, you know, infighting, if you will. So hopefully they'll come up with a great solution. Perhaps there'll be a team golf division, which will be similar to LIV. And then we'll have, you know, the regular uh, tournament events that we have on the PGA Tour. And there was a meeting earlier in the week up at the Travelers, but apparently the players really didn't learn much there. There's still so many questions out there. So it's been interesting because nobody really knows anything as of yet. Yeah, and I think think that's, that's a true statement. I think they've yet to sit down to really refine exactly what's going to happen. So, you know, I think we've got to be very patient here. It's going to take quite a while. I don't think it's something that's going to get resolved in the next couple of weeks. Favorite memory at the Travelers, Marty? You've covered that event for a long time. What would you say? Oh, I'll tell you, the eight-hole playoff that uh, Harris English finally uh, survived a couple of years ago, I think was was absolutely fantastic. It was a terribly hot day, and I loved the playoff when Bubba Watson was playing against Corey Pavin. You had the U.S. Open champion, Corey Pavin, one of the shortest hitters on the tour, playing Bubba Watson, who hits at an absolute mile. And they went head-to-head right down in a playoff. Bubba won in the playoff, but it was exciting to see both distance and accuracy uh, fighting at the same time. That's, that was a good memory, I must say. Good point about the longest hitter and the shorter hitter. But, and then what about Jordan Spieth when he holed out from that bunker for birdie in a, a, the first playoff hole? A lot of these uh, endings go into playoffs because the, yeah. the leaderboards are and so that, tight. And that chest bump was, was world class, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, well, before I let you go, since you're Mr. Style, who's been looking the most stylish this week, aside from yourself? Well, Adam Scott. Always looks great. And, you know, he's, he's going off on one of the later groups today. So whatever he will be wearing, he will be looking like a million bucks. And the joggers have uh, made a presence there, right? Eric Cole, absolutely. One of, the, one of my favorites. And, you know, he's got the perfect physique uh, to pull it off. And he does it beautifully. Marty Hackle, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, and have fun at the Travelers this afternoon. Thanks, Ann. All the best. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.